Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Hope you're doing well. I'm back in the studio. If you know anything about our weekly radio show, we've got an in-house studio here at our Texas Values location. And so we're excited to continue to bring that cutting edge and updated technology to provide a better content and product for all our listeners and viewers. If you're watching this on Facebook, we are live. All right, share this, like it. Let's get it into some groups, okay? Let's get the activity up. I'm gonna do that right now on my phone, as a matter of fact, because I'm also uh, a subscriber and a liker of our own Facebook page. And so let me let my phone catch up with our feed here. And then um, I'll share that in just a minute. So if you're on Facebook, let's share this post. Let's like it. Let's get it into a lot of good activity because we've got a great guest today. All right, let me finish sharing this and I'll break into the rest of my introduction. Here we go. Okay. Now it's on my personal page, but we have a great guest today. You know, this is a weekly show we do. We talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. Our office is one block away across the street from the Texas Capitol, and there's a lot happening during our legislative session right now, and that's a huge part of the work that we do. And the issue, one of the issues that's getting a lot of attention is an effort to stop these harmful gender transition surgeries and operations and procedures that has been happening in Texas and across the country. And our guest today knows a lot about this topic. She is one of the most talked about people when it comes to this issue. Chloe Cole is going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. She has a personal connection with this issue that's really like uh, very few you're going to hear being talked about in state legislatures and on media. But I imagine as she continues to get her message out, more people are going to feel confident. They're going to talk about these harmful issues, and they're going to feel empowered and supported to talk about one of the most talked about issues currently happening in our state and our country. Chloe, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, it's good to see you uh, like this virtually. I know we got to visit for a little bit in Florida at a very important event that you were have, uh, a part of. As a matter of fact, that was the first time that I saw you speak in person. I'd seen some of your work on social media and in other ways, but really to get to connect with you in person and also hear you talk a little bit about your story was uh, just so important for the work that I'm doing and members of our team at Texas Values. And I wanted other people to hear about it. So I'm glad that you're able to be on the show today. So, um, but you know, listen, I know there's a lot of viewers and listeners may have not heard of you before. They don't know a lot about your testimony and about your background. Tell them a little, let's start by you telling a little a bit about yourself and why you've gotten involved in the issue of child gender transitions and getting the message out about how harmful they are. Yeah, so I'm Eddie Transitioner and a former trans kid. I'm biologically female, but I went through a medical gender transition starting at 13. Um, I started socially transitioning a year, year, a year before that at 12. And um, I started with puberty blockers and testosterone um, in my eighth grade year. And then when I was 15, the summer after my sophomore year, I underwent a double mastectomy, meaning that both my breasts were removed as part of my transition. And I didn't have any further treatments, but I stopped transitioning at 16. And since last year, I've just been speaking out about my experience as somebody who has been through a gender transition as a kid and um, what led to it and my way back to living as a girl and against the practice of transitioning children. 
Well, look, I mean, this issue is getting talked about more and more every day. Uh, some of that is because you see an explosion, whether it's publicly on social media, a lot of people talking about it, kids being encouraged to do it. It's almost become like this popular thing and this newest trend that's happening. But there's a whole lot more to it when it comes to these issues. And as you've experienced, people go through these different uh, circumstances, these transitions, these surgeries, these operations and uh, outcomes. Oftentimes, they're not reversible. And so I want to step back for a second. We were talking before we got on the show that you're originally from California. I know you've been traveling around the state. You were here in Texas a couple of months ago at an event. How long ago did you start speaking out publicly with your concerns about child gender transitions? Yeah, so it was last spring that I started using my current Twitter account to uh, just to talk about my story. And I didn't really expect much out of doing it, but I knew that like it was something that publicly I wanted to to talk about and spread awareness around. Um, and then I got an invitation from a nonprofit a few months after I started to uh, to speak on some legislation out of state, and um, that's been one of my big focuses in the past year, just going around from state to state around the country, um, just giving my testimony and talking about my story and why this should never be allowed in kids. So what were some of the things that were happening during that time when you realized, you know what, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this, this isn't working for me, and it's also a concern not only for myself but for other kids. What were some of the things happening during that time that led you to say, you know what, I want to start speaking out about it publicly? Yeah, so... I, when I stopped transitioning, I immediately got a lot of backlash from the trans community. And it was something that I was really hurt by because I thought these were people who really loved and supported me. I thought of these people as like a second family. And to be given this treatment just for going back on my decision and talking about the regret and how it harmed me, I was, it, it was, it was nothing like I'd ever expected. Yeah. And I knew that in stopping transition medically, it would affect my health, but I never had foreseen the amount of hatred that I saw from these people who I once was a part of. And they told me things like, well, you didn't deserve a, a loving family who would allow you to transition. You stole resources from us. You were a fake trans person. And you need to stop speaking about your experience because you're harming other real transgender people who really need these treatments. And I was pretty much ostracized from the community after that. Um, but at the same time, I was also speaking to other people who were in a situation quite like mine, like they had been through a medical gender transition and regretted it, came out the other way and found that it harmed them as, as people and their bodies. And that was when I really learned that I'm not alone in this, that I was being lied to, that I was lied to by my doctors and the trans community, and that there are many more people out me, like me out there. But at the time, I was also one of the only kids that I knew of who transitioned and detransitioned, but I knew there had to be so many other kids in the situation having been harmed by these treatments and being treated like this by the community. 
Yeah, well, look, I mean, we've been working on this That was one of my biggest motivations. Yeah, no, this is the second legislative session where we've been working on this issue. And, you know, we started to hear a lot more about it three, four, five years ago. And so, but I mean, it just feels like in the past year, there's been so much attention around it. Uh, But I can imagine, right? You know, there, you know, someone like yourself, young teenager, you may not be in touch with other people that have dealt with this or know sort of what what's going to be your support now. Um, So I imagine it's felt like that a lot of times. And some of that is people, you know, want uh, young people and others to believe that, oh, there's no one that, uh, you know, detransitions, if you will, or goes back on their transition. You know, everyone that goes through it, that's what they want to do. They follow through with it. And that's sort of the only outcome. When we know that's right. not the truth. I mean, we got people like Walt Heyer, who, I mean, I think the guy's 80 years old, right? For 30 years, he's been talking about some of these concerns of going through these gender transitions, but really not getting a lot of attention, right? We've talked a little bit about him, but um, but people, you know, some folks that want to keep pushing this ideology and these harmful medical procedures and outcomes. They don't want people to believe there's other people who have said, you know what, this didn't work really well and it's not a good idea. And I can't imagine what that was like for you. I mean, you said what around 16 is when you decided, you know, I don't think this is going to work for me or this is such a good idea. Um, And now here you are, you're 18 years old. You're, you know, I mean, incredibly brave. Okay. I mean, I can't even, I'm trying to think of where I was at age 18. I mean, here you are, so often on a national stage or in, in front of, you know, a whole lot of media, social media. And so I just want to commend you for uh, your courage, because I know there has been a, ba- a lot of backlash. And, and, um, and that's, you know, that's concerning to me. But I, you know, I don't have to live through it every day like you do. And so I imagine that can be very difficult. I want you to know you've got a ton of support. Uh, particularly here in Texas. And, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you on. So other people that may need that support and connection too can go, oh, wait a minute, there's someone, you know, that's gone through this like Chloe. Now I can connect with that. And maybe they'll have some hope and encouragement moving forward. Let's go back a little bit further, though. When this process started for you, I think you were uh, 12 or 13. Um, where when you started going through the process, but maybe a year before that, you started thinking about it. Tell us if you can really remember, because I try to think about what do I remember when I was 11 or 12 years old, right? What what was that like for you during that time period when you were starting to consider going through a gender transition? What led you in that direction? Yeah, I mean, before that, as a kid, there were quite a few things that made me vulnerable to this Um being that I started puberty at a really young age. I was just going into my fourth grade year, so I was about nine years old when my breasts started developing. And so I became really, really conscious of my body at a young age. And on top of that, I got my first phone when I was 11. And that was when I started using social media. So I was also seeing all these images of of women that were very idealized, very sexualized, that I knew I couldn't match up to. And I was also just, a bit of a tomboy. I the the older I got, the less I really liked associating with girly things, and I liked being with the boys, and I found comfort in being with them. I really looked up to my older male cousins and my my two brothers, and I was also previously diagnosed with ADHD, but I strongly believe that I'm actually on the spectrum. Um, but shortly after I started using social media and the platform that I mainly used was Instagram, I started, that was really my first exposure to, to the transgender ideology. 
and I, I mean, I'd, I'd heard the, the word transgender a few times, like over, like overhearing conversations between adults or like on, from the TV, but it wasn't until like it was being presented to my face that I'd ever really thought about it. And my first exposure to it was through like fandoms, um, fan bases around things like video games or cartoons or comics that I read. And a lot of the users in those communities were also identifying as transgender and they were around my age to their, at the time to their, their early twenties. And they would often talk about their experiences transitioning and their feelings and their upbringings. And a lot of it was really relatable to me. And over time, I started seeing content that was specifically focused on gender and uh, sexuality and identity in general. And so I started to wonder, I started to think, well, I'm, this is a group of people that I really relate to. So what are the chances that I'm a part of this? Like maybe I'm, maybe I'm not straight. Maybe I'm bisexual, pansexual. Maybe I'm not even a girl. And I just yep. kept. What I can imagine when you know the way kids are bombarded now on social media through technology, and you know there can be some good sides to the fact that we've got this type of technology and we have some of the freedoms we have. But a lot of times, young kids they're not sure what, you know, what the motivations of people are, where it's coming mm -hmm. from and can be a little overwhelming and maybe misleading. I know in one of the articles we have from you that um, a, a alarming statistic, right? A 4,000% increase in children being referred to so-called gender clinics in the United States, right? And you talk about being one of these children, um, a UCLA survey that where you've got, you know, double of numbers of kids that are now in the United States with that are identifying as transgender, right? Um, you talk about this too in this article that we were looking at during that time period, right? You're just trying to fit in, right? And, and mm. but now, I mean, and, and many of us, right? You go through these times periods as a, as a teenager where you're trying to figure out a little bit more about yourself, what you care about, what you believe in. Your your body's going through a lot of changes, and so there's a lot of things going on during that time period. And then after a while, you know, you settle into who you are, what you want to do in life and what matters to you, uh, but usually with some guidance. And there are things that maybe, you know, we, we grow out of or, you know, um, we abandon over time. But that's a whole lot different when you change parts of your body as a reaction to what you're feeling during those times. And then you can't reverse. It, right. And, and sometimes people right. do make mistakes as teenagers that are irreversible, but not because they typically go into a doctor's office, right? And they're, it's suggested to them, this is a good thing. You're going to be fine. And you've talked a little bit about that. Now, here you are at 18. There are things that happen to you that can't be reversed. Share us a little bit about how you've come to terms with that. It's honestly, it's something that I'm still struggling with and it still affects me on a day-to-day -day basis. But I'm, I find that just by living in reality and accepting what's happened and what I've been, the cards I've been dealt in the body that I was born with, it's been so much better. I mean, not only was it, was I living through a lie, I was also putting myself under these treatments that were destroying my body.
Yeah, I think a lot taking of away parts of myself as that. an adult in the process. Yeah, it, because it's it's sort of counterintuitive, right? You go into a doctor's office, you trust these people, you wouldn't think that they were encouraging you to do things that are actually doing harmful, if not irreversible damage to your body. You talk about this in one of the articles about, you know, the beauty of motherhood being stripped from you now moving forward. And I don't say that to, to make you, you know, have to re-experience that and think about it. These are the realities that I'm sure are very difficult for you to deal with, but that is part of the reality, an opportunity for you maybe to share that with people and say, hey, you don't have to go through this. There are some real serious consequences of these type of procedures and operations that I think a lot of times aren't shared with young people right. or even their parents. There's legislation we're working on too in Texas, House Bill 1686, also Senate Bill 14. There's a number of other pieces of legislation. I just mentioned those two. They've gotten a little bit more attention. Uh, Senate Bill 14 is a, a priority bill out of the Senate with that low bill number. And, and I believe there's a lot of attention around the one in the house as well that I mentioned. Uh, Chloe, there are opportunities right now in the state of Texas for us, at least in law, and hopefully that will typically impact how things operate in our state that could draw some lines and say, these things are not okay. We should not be doing these to kids. Um, I know you've engaged in some of that discussion. Tell us a little bit about why it's important to you to see laws that reflect uh, putting an end to these type of procedures and operations and protecting children. Transitioning should never be an option to children, ever. A lot of activists argue that the younger a, a patient with gender dysphoria transitions, the better, because then the secondary sex characteristics that make them dysphoric won't pop up during puberty. But puberty isn't just something that you can skip. You can't just defy nature because there will be consequences. And there are. I mean, the younger you transition, the, the higher the risk of complications come from these, these treatments, from the puberty blockers to the cross-sex hormones, and especially from the surgeries. And really, no child can consent to any of this. They can't really, they're not really equipped to make a decision on something that will inevitably impact every single area of their life from their sexuality to their ability to conceive children and build a family to their relationships with their family, romantically, in work, and in their overall health. It's just not possible. And it's abusive to do this to children under any circumstance. Well, that's what we're working on in the state of Texas. We've, we, you know, there's been so much more information we have now. It's very clear this is a problem that needs a solution. And it doesn't mean a law is going to solve everything, but it will take us a long way to making it clear what we think is important in the state of Texas, what the medical standards should be. And if we don't, if we don't pass a law that puts an end to some of these things and has consequences for people that do it, you're going to continue to see it explode, um, unfortunately. But I do think there's that motivation in the House and the Senate for us to get something done. And I'm encouraged by that. We're talking with Chloe Cole. She is one of the most courageous people you'll meet in our current time as a teenager going around the country, speaking about the harmful consequences and dangers 
of gender transitions for kids, having gone through this process herself and stopped it, but not until she had to deal with some things that are irreversible about her body and, and destruction. Uh, thankfully, she continues to power through, though, now, and, and has the, the strength and the health to tell an important story. Chloe, before we close out with you, I'd love for you to maybe tell a story or two or just some interactions you've had with people that have also decided this isn't a good thing for me or they stopped before they really got involved. And anything that you've heard from people that are encouraged by what people are calling you and others detransitioners, saying people these people don't exist, you do exist. What are some of the positive things that have happened because of you telling your story? Yeah, so one of my hopes in speaking out about this is that I I knew that at the time, at least, I had a relatively unique um, stance on this as somebody who transitioned um, under the age of 18. And I wanted other people who have been affected by this as kids to start speaking out as well. Because when I first started, there were only people who were well into their adulthood who are speaking out on this. And now I've um, I've had other people who transition as minors reaching out to me and even going public with their own stories and doing the same thing, going out and traveling to other states to testify on legislation across the country and just to, to tell their story. And I'm, I'm really thankful that we all have this this opportunity to, to use our own experiences to um, to help other people who are in need. And I also, earlier this year, helped set up a, a rally in Sacramento just to bring awareness to detransition. And while we were all staying in Sacramento, we, had, we all had like a little Airbnb. We were all staying, staying in and it was just a nice healing experience for us all to be under one roof, just interacting with each other and having fun. and just being around people who've had experiences quite like ours, people to relate to. So it's been, it's been a pretty beautiful journey. Well, look, and there's so much more work to do moving forward. I think it's encouraging to me um, because I know how, how hard it is sometimes for the work that we do to step into the Capitol and know there's going to be tremendous opposition. This is something that you live and you work with every day. You're making a difference. I've seen you up in D.C. before the Capitol. You've been here at our Capitol, in our Capitol City here in Austin. And so wherever you are, uh, you're truly an inspiration. Chloe Cole, who's been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you. Wow, listen, I wish I had an hour to spend with Chloe. I'm sure there's a lot more that she could talk about. Go to her social media channels on Twitter and wherever you find her. Find out more about the life-saving work that she's doing. I mean, there's no question about it. These things can ruin people's lives. These things can make it very difficult uh, for them to carry that burden moving forward. There's still time for us to stop this process before other kids get involved in it. That's why we're supporting bills like House Bill 1686, Senate Bill 14, other great pieces of legislation too that you can find on our app. Have you downloaded the Texas Values app? We've got a lot of the legislation we're prioritizing. I know many of our good friends in the House and Senate have passed other laws that complement some of this, making it clear that if you're like Chloe and you want to detransition, that you should be able to have medical coverage for that. It's almost impossible these days for people to find uh, insurance coverage when they decide, I don't want to go through this transition. 
And so, but continue to connect with us on social media, on our website, txvalues.org. If you're watching this, you're not signed up to get our weekly emails. You need to get signed up. Go to txvalues.org so you can get those emails, those alerts. You'd know that we're going to be in Taylor this evening because the city of Taylor is not done with their war on Christian and on Christmas. They have come back with a new ordinance. You remember last year? There was a big controversy because some Christians were involved in a Christmas parade, and then all of a sudden the drag queens and LGBT groups wanted to take over. It caused a divide in the city. The city tried to pass a new ordinance. We feel that targeted the Christians. How can you not have a? How can you have a Christmas parade without Christians? That's what they were trying to do. They're back with a new ordinance. We're going to be testifying against it today, this evening in Taylor. We're at the Capitol every day. Our team's over there today. A lot of things happening. Things are going to be moving quickly, and we've got a great event. Riley Gaines last weekend. Oh my. My goodness, was speaking at San Francisco State University. You know, she's been at numerous events of ours. She was physically attacked. It went all over social media. She's been on Fox News practically every day. You can see her in person in Fort Worth at one of our events on May 5th. That's a Friday evening. We're going to have a wonderful benefit dinner. She is going to be our keynote speaker, and she's going to have some stories to tell. You know, she's been working on some different events with us. She is the leader, I agree, or I think of the Save Women Sports Movement now, a former All-American swimming champion from the University of Kentucky. She was forced to swim against Leah Thomas, who was formerly Will Thomas, this guy that competed as a woman in the uh, women's divisions at the NCAA Swimming Championships last year. Oh, by the way, he's from Texas, Westlake High School here in the Central Texas area, where he was a swimmer on the uh, boys team uh, before he decided to swim in the women's team. She had, to, she had to race against him. They tied. They gave him the trophy. You got to hear the story, okay? She's got much more to tell about this. Riley Gaines, speaking of young uh, women that are becoming leaders, she is definitely one of them, 22 years old. Come to Fort Worth, May 5th. We still have tickets available. You want to see Riley at that event. Looking forward in September, we've got a great event, our annual policy event. That's on September 15th and 16th. That'll be, we'll be wrapping up a lot of stuff from the legislative session, unless we're in the middle of a special session, which we very, very well could be if we don't get Save Women Sports Pass, if we don't ban gender modification for kids. And I imagine the school choice issue and property tax reform are going to play into the possibility of a special session. But get your tickets now, September 15th and 16th. And listen, if you just want to donate to our work, txvalues.org. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Somebody give me a time cue, by the way. I've lost my timing here in the studio to see where we're at. Okay, I'm being told to wrap up. We're just about done. Listen, our collective annual budget with uh, all of our organizations we run is about $2 million. The end of our fiscal year is the end of June, June 30th. But don't wait. Give that tax-deductible donation to now at txvalues.org. And that's how together we can protect faith, family, and freedom in Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.